It's time for Thriller Thursdays here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. Full fathom five thy father lies, of his bones are coral made. Those are pearls that were his eyes, nothing of him that doth fade. There was no particular reason why these words were rattling around my brain on the morning in question. Some would argue in favor of precognition, or another sort of extrasensory perception. Trixie would counter that, given how much I was lacking in regular sensory perception, it only seemed fair that I get some extra. And I would postulate that sometimes the universe, like the girl detective's banter, was so blazing predictable that you could see its machinations rolling in like a bank of storm clouds. But in truth, it was probably the weather. The light snow had turned to rain, and it felt like it meant to wash away all traces of a long, bitter winter and leave the land scrubbed and clean, if only it could shift this pesky stain of a city. Had the door not opened and the client chair been suddenly filled with a posterior of the delicate variety, I should shortly have begun constructing an ark. Of course, since the only animal of any variety that we had on hand was King, the crime-fighting dog deluxe, and there was only one of him... And in truth, he had long passed over any sort of useful repopulate-the-earth years he might have once enjoyed. It was probably just as well. The girl in the client chair was Carol Dewars, 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, a comfortable and well-proportioned frame, hair that might have been jet black or possibly just wetter than it appeared to be. Maybe 22, maybe not so much. A girl I could once have rhapsodized over were not all of my rhapsodies now devoted to a smallish nurse person of my very own. I seem to be afflicted with a touch of the poet today, I observed in that moment, and resolved to say something clever before the mood slipped away. Coffee, Miss Dewars? Yes, thank you, Mr. Justice. I suppose I could use it. I must look a fright. Nothing could be further from the truth. Milk or sugar? We are currently enjoying a rare state of grace in which we have both to offer. In that case, I will have a spoon of sugar, please. As you wish. Your partner seems very quiet, Mr. Justice. I feel as if she is thinking very grave thoughts. You should enjoy it. It almost certainly won't last. Jack? Miss Dixon? Drop dead. And there it is. Your coffee, Miss Dewars. Thank you. You two aren't related at all, are you? That is not a question we are typically asked. It is also too terrible a thought to contemplate. It is also that. I mean, in the sense that modern science tells us that we are related through common ancestors to all living things deep in the primeval past, I suppose that we are. Please ignore her. She's dating a biologist. Dating is a charitable term. He seemed to need a little charity. Who doesn't? I assumed that, in pursuing his degree, he might have picked up a trick or two that would entertain me. Relentlessly optimistic. That's our Trixie. I think his field of study might be a little too... generalized. I'm not certain that I need to hear any more, and I feel fairly certain that our client does not. On the contrary, Mr. Justice, I enjoy it. Your manner with one another is very... fraternal. That's us. Just like a lodge meeting. I mean that you remind me of my brother and myself... In happier times. Those must have been some horrific Thanksgiving dinners. Oh, now. No one can really get under your skin quite like someone that you really care about. I expect I don't have to tell you that. I think maybe you do. Yeah, probably you should, yes. 
Am I right in presuming that your brother is what brings you here today? What makes you say that? Thoughts which leap unbidden into people's minds often do so when they are already percolating there and have been for some time. That's quite a lovely way of putting it. You have a way with words. Yeah, he's quick with a coffee metaphor. Maybe you ought to begin at the beginning. Perhaps you're right. <sighs> I don't quite know where to begin. The story's so old that it seems to have always been there. And suddenly I find that I don't know how it ends at all. Or what it means. If it helps at all, what you're feeling is not unusual for folks that occupy that chair. Just tell us whatever comes to mind, and if there's anything we're missing, we'll ask. Well, my father was a sailor. Not by profession, you understand. It was his recreation. It always was. My earliest memories are of him and that... that boat. He was always a happy man. Or, I suppose I shouldn't say that. I was too young to know. But I never saw him unhappy, or guess that he could be. But when he was near the water, he was so much more. So relaxed. Not forced, in the least. He was, as I can only imagine, nature must have intended him to be. He... well... How old were you when he died? Dear me, is it that obvious? The usage of the past tense was a little heavy. I was twelve. My brother Richard was nine. There was a storm, and, and he was lost at sea. Just washed away, just like that. And my childhood with him, I'm afraid. And Richard's. Mr. Dewar's body was never found? Oh, his name wasn't Dewar's, Mr. Justice. It was Banks, Gilbert Banks. My mother remarried a year and a half later. Oh, and Richard's heart broke all over again. I'm sorry, this must all seem terribly overdramatic. Overdramatic is actually what we do, miss. I'm glad, because I have never been terribly good at it myself. My stepfather is a good man, and he was never anything other than kind to us, to all of us. I took his name and called him Father, and was never anything other than proud of how happy it made him. But Richard, he never stopped waiting. I don't think I follow you. You see, Miss Dixon, they never did find my father's body. Just the remains of the boat, smashed on the rocks, and some personal effects washed up on the shore. He must have drowned. Everyone knew it. But Richard and I, we knew it couldn't be true. We knew that he would return and walk in the door with an incredible tale of his adventures. For months, we waited. And then, one day, I knew that it was true. And he was gone. When I lost faith, it killed Richard a little... Perhaps I should have gone on pretending. You were just a little girl, and it was your father that died as well. I know it, and I know that it is silly to live one's life in a state of perpetual regret. But I also know that Richard has never known a moment of joy since that day. Not really. Not like he once did. And I know that somewhere inside, he still waits. Miss Dewars, you aren't hiring us to solve the ten-year-old mystery of your father's disappearance, are you? No, not really, no. Except that I suppose I am, actually. Yes. Fantastic. All right. I'm assuming, Miss Dewars, that there is some context coming up that brings us more into the present day. Ten days ago, I was approached by an old friend of my mother, Jeffrey Howard. He had been friends with my mother and father since before I was born. He said that... He was returning from a vacation in Mexico, and he told me that... 
He had seen my father. Alive and well and living south of the border? Yes. He said that the moment was sudden and both men had frozen, knowing that it was impossible to pretend it hadn't happened. My father. Alive after all these years. Is this a good thing? A bad thing? A very, very confusing thing, Mr. Justice. When Mr. Howard told me my heart was racing, I was full of joy. But the more I thought about it, the angrier I became. Where had he been all this time? How could he just leave us? How could he have done this to me and to Richard? Did you tell your brother about this? No. I begged Mr. Howard not to, at least not until I could decide what to do. Even after all of these years, Richard loves father so much, misses him so badly. But if he feels what I feel, I don't know what the anger would do to him. He's a grown man now, but he's still so fragile. I'm curious. You begged Jeffrey Howard not to tell your brother. Yes. Why did you have to beg? Because Richard has a right to know. Mr. Howard has known us since we were children. He knows how badly Richard has always wanted this to be true. But he was never close to my stepfather, and we've only seen him sporadically over the years. I don't think he really appreciates what this could do to Richard. What does your mother have to say about all this? Mother passed away almost a year ago. She and my stepfather, they went down in a private plane. I'm sorry. That's why Mr. Howard confronted my father, told him that his children were alone now, and that it was time he honored his responsibilities. Better late than never, I suppose. Is it? I'm just not sure. I need to be sure. I need to know. Okay, but if Papa is still down in Mexico... He isn't. Mr. Howard says that he brought him back to the city with him. That he wants to see us. To explain. And what are you asking us to do? I don't... I don't know if we should. Where family is concerned, truth is always better than lies. Jack has surprisingly strong opinions on this subject. I do, actually. But what if all we've ever had were lies? What's left when that is washed away? You'd like someone in your corner. I would. You'd like us to vet this Gilbert Banks. Make sure he is what he's supposed to be. Oh, Mr. Howard seems very certain, and he would know. Miss Dewars, we can't make moral decisions for you. For one thing, we're both deeply unqualified. Ditto the whole personal relationships thing. We're not who you want for that. And if your father really has returned from the paths of the dead, good or bad... I'm not sure that your brother doesn't have a right to know that. But if you'd like us to shake this family tree and see what falls out, that is something we can probably arrange. Yes, please. I would like that very much. And so began one of the most nebulous cases in our long history of nebulous cases. We weren't entirely sure what we were being asked to do, and had very little idea of how to go about it. So we reverted to standard operating procedures... We signed a contract, collected our advance, and retired to the sanctity of our crime lab, also known as Jimmy Wong's Chinese Noodle and Chop Suey House. Okay, so where are we with this? We're nowhere. It's not as bad as that. It's exactly as bad as that. In fact, it's that, full stop. Do we talk to the father? We can't talk to the father. Our client doesn't know where to find the father. The father is being put up by the old friend of the family. The one who found him in Mexico. That seem a little funny to you? I don't know. Seems like as good a spot as any. Mexico's a big place. I've heard that. You've never been? I didn't say that. I just mean it was a big enough place to hide Gilbert Banks for ten years. Maybe his luck just ran out. I guess. What? It just seems funny. 
The places where American tourists visit do not seem like the same places that drifters who are supposed to be dead would frequent. I bow to your superior knowledge of where to pick up drifters in Mexico. I would throw a drink in your face, but my glass seems to be empty. Hooray for our side. Rita, could you bring me another rye and water, please? I'd like to throw it in Jack's face. No hurry on that, Rita. It just feels too perfect. It's like that sometimes. I'm aware of the fact that it is like that sometimes, and I am saying that this is one of those times is all. It makes my teeth itch. Well, the only way you're going to scratch that itch is if we get to the father, and we'll have to go through Jeffrey Howard to do that. Wasn't he one of the three stooges? The bald one? Curly. And that was Jerome Howard, not Jeffrey. I wonder if they're related. It seems unlikely. The family name was Horowitz. They changed it for show business. You know a lot about the stooges. Thank you. Takes one to know one, I guess. And there it is. I don't know if I want to talk to Curly just yet. Let's not start calling him Curly. I don't want to involuntarily slap his head and tell him spread out if we do meet him. He might be a perfectly nice man. Regardless, I don't want to see him just yet. Excellent. Since he is our only lead, may I ask why not? Because I don't know what he's up to just yet. And when I don't know what someone's up to, they think they're terribly clever when they lie to me. And I don't like it. No, me neither. So if not the father and not the stooge, then who? Actual detective work, I guess. Shudder. Who can we ask about a ten-year-old missing persons case? Sabian? Better not. I think he might still be mad about the thing. He's always a little bit mad. I think he's more than a little bit mad about the thing. The thing. You know what I'm talking about. Hardly ever. How about Mike Rogers? Our intrepid reporter. It's a pretty long shot. A boat wreck from a decade ago? How about a private plane crash from a year ago? Now that is interesting. It is, isn't it? Not just everybody rides in a private plane. Even fewer die in one. Gives us an idea of circumstances. It does. That's not a stupid idea at all. Thank you. Ah, my drink. Thank you, Rita. Wait, oh. What did you do that for? You know, I honestly can't remember. Finish your noodles. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. If there is a secret to detective work, and I've always been of the mind that there was, it is to never, ever do any actual detective work. Looking for clues, trying to discern between 243 types of tobacco ash, these are things best left to other, more fictional detectives. In the real world, killers do not always make one fatal mistake, and criminals rarely, if ever, return to the scene of the crime. Which is why, in the real world, it is useful to surround yourself with people who know things, or could do things, or who know other people who did and could. Like our bull-necked associate from the police department, or for other less official criminal avenues, Freddy the Finger. And for those days when I really, really did not want to go to the library and sift through microfiche, and those days are legion, we had guys like our nose for news, Mike Rogers, intrepid reporter for the Gazette. Trixie Dixon, how is it that you're the only one of us that never gets any older? Fresh. As a spring daisy when I see those legs. Morning, Mike. Still married? Tragically so. Still a deal breaker? Still is. Alas and alack. Check again, am I even here? If you can't tell, how is anyone else supposed to? Morning, Jack. Mike? Is one of those espressos for me? Why, did you want something? Another espresso here. What are you doing? I assumed one of them was mine. Make it two, please. He has a problem. If he had just one, life would be so much simpler. Wouldn't it, though? 
On a related subject, you're not seeing another reporter behind my back, are you? I told you, Mike, the ring on the finger is a blanket turnoff. No, I don't mean that, but thank you for clarifying. I mean both of you. This little informal chat, this is a two-way street, yes? Why do you ask? Answer the question. I can't imagine that you're going to find anything we've got all that interesting. But just so we're clear, if I do, it's mine all mine, yes? Is El Rat of a Dad who ran off down to Old Mexico really all that compelling? What are you talking about? Are you saying Nathan Dewars is still alive? Who is Nathan Dewars? The plane crash you asked me about. That was Nathan Dewars and his wife Sarah a year ago now. My editor wanted there to be some scandal attached to it in the worst way, but it looked like it was just an accident. As far as we know, it was. What made your editor care? Because it's Nathan Dewars? Of the more-money-than-God-doers? Ah, now I see the waves of human interest cresting. Yeah, we're subtle that way. The doers were rich? As old Rockefeller, like the song goes. And so I repeat, anything you got, I want. We've got a pocket full of nothing, but if it turns into something, it's yours. Doers is dead? If he wasn't this morning, then I suppose he still isn't. But everything we've heard says that he is. This is Sarah Doer's first husband we're talking about. Oh, him. Well, what about him? Would it be a human interest story if he was still alive? It would only be the story of the year. And why is that? Because it was kind of a low-grade scandal at the time. The first husband, what was his name? Gilbert Banks. Gilbert Banks, that was it. He died at sea, right? If that's what happened. If that's what happened. So they never found a body. Yeah, this is what we've gathered. So you're supposed to be missing seven years before you can be declared legally dead. Say, that's right. But the judge at the inquest up and declares Banks died in the storm. And a civil judge held that up. And within a few months, Sarah Banks is suddenly a legal widow and back on the market. And you suspected something then? Nah, nobody even noticed. The Banks didn't have any money. Not enough to buy a couple of judges anyway. But after a modest pause, Sarah Banks becomes Sarah Dewars, and a few of us ink-stained types started wondering if maybe the courtship had not been going on for quite some time, if you catch my drift. You think Dewars' millions cleared a path for the wedding march? I think a lot of things. I'm only allowed to print the ones that won't get the Gazette sued back to the Stone Age by one of the richest men in the state. If Banks knew his wife was fooling around with Dewars, it might have been a reason to fake his own death. He faked his own death? Maybe. We don't know. It's not bad. It would have been better if Dewars had arranged the accident somehow and Banks had really died. How is that better? From the perspective of print journalism is all. Well, bully for the fifth estate. Listen, if this is for real, I want it. A promise is a promise, Mike. We'll be in touch. What about my espresso? And mine. Ah, as it turns out, they don't even do table service here. And it is just possible that I knew that already. See you, Mike. It was thin. It was thinner than thin. If a skinny girl's shadow went on one of those newfangled Hollywood diets you see advertised in the back of Life magazine, that begins to approximate just how thin this was. And because it was singularly lacking in depth, it was nearly impossible to interpret the data correctly. Or, to be more accurate, the data suggested two possible conclusions, which were entirely mutually exclusive. And this was the trouble with what we call actual detective work, my friends. It meted out truth in fits and starts so tiny that they led you in the wrong direction as often as not, which made them worse than any lie. Either we had found the definitive motivation that had led Gilbert Banks to his entirely pretended watery grave, 
or we had found a splendid motivation for crafting just such a fiction. In any event, it necessitated a conversation with the client, who, as luck would have it, was enjoying a complication of her own. And that's when he told me, Miss Dixon. Mr. Howard said my father wouldn't wait any longer, that he was demanding to see Richard and myself, to explain himself to us and ask for our forgiveness. That sounds pretty good. Yes, it does. And a little too good to be true? That too. Were you and Mr. Justice able to find anything out? Nothing that you couldn't have told us in our office, if you had felt so inclined. Like what? Like the fact that your stepfather was filthy rich, which by extension, so are you. I didn't know it was important. Everything is important, and money trumps all of it. How so? What if your father found out that his wife was having an affair with Nathan Dewars? What? One of the richest men around, the kind who could afford lawyers so big and bad he'd never even see his own kids again if he contested a divorce, and maybe not even then? No, you're wrong. Wouldn't that be reason enough to escape the humiliation, to run away from it all? And wouldn't that be a good enough reason to come back now that they're gone? To reunite with the family fate had stolen from him? You can't mean this. My father's death devastated my mother. She... She loved him. You were young. Maybe too young to know. I know that people have whispered this kind of slander for years. I know that my brother has half-believed it at times, and that if Mr. Howard produced evidence of it, Richard would accept it at once. This is exactly what I was afraid of, Miss Dixon. If I could have part of my family back without disgracing the memory of the other half, don't you think I would want that too? But you don't believe it. I know in my heart that it is wrong. So what do you want us to do? Prove that this is a lie. That all of this is a terrible, terrible lie. At last, a specific direction. If you will excuse me just one moment, we were prepared for this very contingency. Hello, yes? Is there a shabby man in a corner booth that has been nursing a cup of coffee for a very long time while staring out the window? Excellent. Would you go over and tell him it's go time? Why should you? <laughs> oh, a pragmatist. How about this? If you don't, he will stay. If you do, he will leave immediately. Excellent choice. What is this? Call Mr. Howard back. Tell him you'll be at the address he provided in 20 minutes. Yes, but this is a little something that we call Plan C. Also called Fake It Till You Make It. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were someone else. You would be Jeffrey Howard. I'm sorry? You would be the one answering the door. When the doer's kids arrive, you would build up to the big dramatic reveal, which means you wouldn't let him answer the door himself. Who are you? Get the tools. What? Spread out. Ah, oh, how dare you! I promised myself I wouldn't do that. Problem is, I'm a dirty liar and always have been. Where is he? Get out of here. You can't just barge in here. I think we've established that I can, because I just did. Come on, Curly. Larry's got to be in here somewhere. You can't come in here. I'm expecting people. Important people. Isn't it funny how money makes you important? Maybe not important enough to deserve the truth, but still important, right? Is he in here? Ah, there you are. Jeff. Who's this? Not bad, Mr. Howard, not bad. A little sunbaked, obviously over time. You really found him down in old Mexico, didn't you? Well, sure he did. Uh, Jeff, who is this man? No one. He forced his way in here, Gil. Don't say a word. Now that's just a bad choice. There is a word you want to say to me, sir. You want to say it very badly. And what word is that? The word is yes, sir. 
Are you selling something? I am calling the police. Sure. You call the police, I'll call the newspapers, and we'll all see if anybody collects a dime. Jeff, put the phone down. Nice. Who are you? That's what I asked. Yes, but you don't matter, Mr. Howard. You have played your part. What do you mean? I'm Jack Justice. How do you do? Gilbert Banks. You almost could be. Except Gilbert Banks was left-handed. He was? No. But even if he was, he would still shake hands with his right hand. Well, of course. But he wouldn't refer to himself in the third person. Gilbert, don't say another word. Your children will be here at any moment. That's right, Gilbert. Let's just go with Gilbert, shall we? No need to cause any confusion so close to payday. Get out of here before I... Ow! Yeah, you keep quiet now. Not so much as a nyuk-nyuk-nyuk. This one may just be a victim of circumstances, but you're something a lot creepier, and I'm in no mood. So here. Don't shoot. I won't. Not yet. But you keep your trap shut until I say. And you, Gil. Yes? Where did he find you? Down in Mexico? He spots an expat down on his luck who bears a striking resemblance to an old friend. That how this starts? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm Gilbert Banks. That's right, Peaches. You keep that story straight. We're going to need it. Who are you? I told you. I'm Jack Justice. I'm the man that's come to solve your problem. I don't have a problem. You've got a big problem, son. You think you're set for life, but you're not. You know these kids will get wise sooner or later, don't you? And what about Jeffrey Howard, your benefactor? He set all of this up, and I bet he didn't do it out of the goodness of his heart. What does he get? Well, he gets... He... Gills? No. He gets whatever he asks for. That is very open-ended. Yes. And if you don't come through, he spills the beans, and that's the end of the gravy train. That more or less right? Gilbert. Yeah, that's more or less right. I get ten percent. Ten? Percent, yeah. That leaves ninety for you. May I ask what you get this ten percent for? I get rid of your problem. My problem? Your partner. Your former boss. The one who wants much, much more than ten percent. You... you can't do this. I, I set all this up. Yes, you did. And now it's set up. And Mr. Banks doesn't need you anymore. And I can make you go away for the low, low price of 10%. That is destiny at the door, Mr. Banks. He's the only one in the world who can rat you out to the kids, and this is your chance to be rid of him forever. No, this isn't fair. 10%. Sold. No. No, you can't... I won't let you. No. No. Miss Dewars, please, I... I confess, I confess to everything, he isn't your father. He, he was a fisherman, a, a bum. I found him, t taught him, oh, please, please, don't let him kill me, please. You probably should have shot him before he did that. Are you trying to tell me how to do my job? Well, no, I just... Spread out. And that is how it went. Sometimes miracles don't happen, my friends. And sometimes proving that is my job. And sometimes that is more complicated than it really needs to be. Carol and Richard Dewars would not have their inheritance swindled this day. Richard Dewars would never even know how close he came. But I wondered if all those millions would ever bring him any comfort. If he wouldn't happily have traded them all. If only he could bring a sailor home from sea once and for all. Blackjack Justice, episode 66, Full Fathom 5, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Clarissa Dunetterlanden, Kevin Robinson, Scott Moyle, and Brian Vaughn. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. 
Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Sweet Sue has been tied to the railroad tracks. Will our hero save her? Well, of course, the hero always prevails on Thriller Thursdays. I'm John Bell, the hero that rarely prevails in Bells in the Bat Free, the comedy show you can hear every Friday Follies and a bunch of Sunday showcases. Oops, looks like the hero may have been a tad late there.